This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. On today's show, we're discussing the changing COVID situation as well as barriers to building affordable housing in San Jose. Like much of the world, Santa Clara County has dealt with a COVID pandemic for two years. Restrictions are lifting, and we're at a stage that some health experts consider the pandemic to have become endemic, essentially meaning the virus is self-sustained in a specific area. Joining me now to talk more about this change is reporter Tron Nguyen. How's it going, Tron? Good. Thank you for having me. So bring us up to speed on the current COVID situation. Um, Where are we now compared to where have we been previously? So right now in Santa Clara County, we are at a very good place. Um, Community COVID transmission um, in the area has declined significantly in recent weeks. Um, as you remember, a couple of weeks ago, the seven-day rolling average of new COVID infections were around 1,900 um, cases in early February, and those number has dropped it to just over 200 as of today. Um, hospitalizations have also remained low and stable uh, with 194 patients as of this week. This is also a big drop from more than 500 patients in mid-January when Omicron surges was really going around. The South Bay also have a very big advantage of having one of the highest vaccination rates in the nation um, with roughly five of every six residents fully vaccinated and nearly 69% of the eligible population being boosted. Well, wow, so those statistics are pretty good, but I know that there's some disagreement uh, between health experts on whether we've actually moved into this endemic stage. Can you explain what's happening there? Sure. So this week, when we talked to Santa Clara County, um, public health experts there said that we're going to continue to see peaks and valleys in terms of COVID searches and cases. Right now, we're in the valleys, but and they are not sure if we uh, have hit an endemic phase yet. Public health experts at Stanford University kind of explained that technically COVID has become an endemic for quite some time now in the U.S. um, with the definition that when a virus or new infections occur without the uh, introductions from abroad, that means it has become self-sustained in the specific area. And when you infect it, you this refer to community transmission. And with that definition, we are definitely in the endemic phase. So right now, that's kind of where we are at. Um, but the county also emphasized a point that there is no hard and fast rules when it comes to when we hit an endemic. To a certain extent, they said endemic is a societal determination of when we believe that excess deaths from a certain disease um, is acceptable um, so we can have other societal beneficials such as being open, you know, not wearing masks, going, you know, business not being shut down those as trade-offs to the deaths that is being happening because of this disease. Well, that's interesting because, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom has also referred to California moving into the endemic stage. What has he had to say about this COVID situation? Yes. So um, just a couple of weeks ago, California become one of the first states um, in the nation 
to announce that it's going to move, it's going to shift toward an endemic approach um, in terms of COVID. Um, we see this with restrictions such as indoor masks, not only in public uh, settings, but also in K-12 uh, settings. Those restrictions are being peeled back. The governor um, said this is because the risk has become manageable and he claimed that we have passed a crisis phase and are encouraging um, municipals, just as counties and cities to kind of look at this as something that we just have to live with from now on. Now, even if this is something we have to live with and we are in this endemic stage of, you know, the virus just being self-sustaining and just kind of having to build our lives to accommodate that, that doesn't mean that the risk is gone, right? I, I heard that you mentioned something earlier about peaks and valleys of infection. Definitely. Um, all public health experts agree that although we have vaccination and boosters that play really important roles um, in preventing serious illness and deaths um, in a large population. Um, so if you are young, if you are healthy without a lot of health condition and you are vaccinated, this is looking really good for you. However, COVID continued to mutate. Um, the risk is continued to be there. And according to a professor in public health at San Jose State University, excuse me, um, Dr. Marcel Dugan, she said, the state, even in mild cases of COVID-19, people, even without um, health condition, underlying health conditions, they will still have elevated risk of heart disease. And, you know, like vulnerable populations, people cannot get vaccines because of their health condition, people who are old, people who are young, so babies, these populations continue to face a very big risk if they get COVID. So COVID still dangerous um, in a lot of cases, and it's, it's definitely not safer just because we move into an endemic phase. Hi, I'm Ramona Guiwargis, CEO and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. And I'm Josh Bruce, Executive Director and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. San Jose Spotlight is a community-supported, nonprofit news organization fueled by readers and listeners like you. You can support our work by becoming a sustaining member with a monthly or annual donation on our website, sanjosespotlight.com. Living in California means you're used to hearing about the housing crisis, from things such as rent and home prices increasing to not enough homes to meet demand. Affordable housing has rolled into this crisis, and as you might have guessed, San Jose isn't building enough of it. The City Council recently heard a report on the barriers to building affordable housing, and joining me now to talk more about this is reporter Jenna Cotta. How's it going, Jenna? Good, good. So what is the state of affordable housing in San Jose? Well, like you said, Nick, it's dragging behind. The city set a goal a few years ago to build 10,000 affordable homes by 2023, but it's far behind in that goal and has only built a few hundred below market rate um, units since 2018. Um, and, and as you mentioned, it this is in the background. It's you know this is one of the most expensive rental areas in the country, if not the world. So it's it's not looking too good. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so what are these main barriers to building affordable housing? So if you ask different people, you're going to get different answers. But when the city interviewed the seven developers, they found that there were three big barriers. Um, Those were construction costs, the slow permitting process, and then complying with other building requirements like the amount of parking spaces or ensuring some open space or patio, things of that nature. Uh, And so the permitting process is is slow because there's a lot of vacancies. Cost is high partly because of the supply chain, the pandemic. It's just an expensive area. But they also pointed to construction taxes as an additional cost and therefore an additional barrier. So that's that's kind of the summary of what they were saying. Okay. And just to touch on something you mentioned briefly, um, you said something about seven developers. Um, that, That was part of a study that the city did, right? Where they talked to these developers about what some of these barriers and issues with them completing their projects were, right? Exactly. The city's looking to find ways that they can make construction easier. And so a lot of these things that developers pointed to are things that the city can control, uh, like the permitting process or these additional requirements. Cost, maybe not so much. Right. Yeah, that's more of a market thing. But um, how is the city planning to address these barriers? Are there any ideas as to how they could maybe cut these costs or deal with these permitting issues? Yeah. So their staff is going back to explore what it would look like if they cut construction taxes. Um, That would save the developer about $3,100 per unit in taxes, but the city also relies on that money for infrastructure and transportation costs. Um, So it's, it's an opportunity cost, right? The city is also planning to establish regular meetings between the planning and housing departments to review active projects. So that hopefully would also decrease permitting process times. Um, they're also creating an impact registry fee and exploring how to make city-issued bonds more competitive. Now, final question here, Jenna. What did the council members have to say about this report? Are they you know, surprised by this information, or is this really nothing new? I wouldn't say that they were surprised. Uh, they're definitely eager to help, though. So council member David Cohen said that we should do whatever we can to make construction easier and appreciated the suggestions made by staff. Council member Sergio Jimenez specifically directed the city to explore cutting construction taxes in all neighborhoods except those that have historically not received adequate investment through redevelopment, so more disenfranchised communities. And this is because he said that cutting taxes in high-income neighborhoods could incentivize developers to build in those areas that have historically not welcomed affordable housing. Um, And then Locardo, though he appreciated the suggestions from staff, worried that these issues are bigger than the city. It's outside of the city's control. And so, you know, to quote Locardo, he said, it seems to me that there are certainly forces more powerful than the city hall here and construction costs chief among them. We can do everything right. And we're still going to have to face this real challenge of seeing our dollars get consumed on fewer and fewer units. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.